Welcome to the Wheelhouse Podcast. Andrew, we are back after week five. Currently, we have a uh, Monday night Raider and Chiefs game going on. Um, just for the integrity of my uh, anxiety, let's not talk about that game in real time. Uh, how are you, man? Well, see, this is funny because I feel like next week we're going to record on a different day for this exact same reason because my boys are playing an AFC West <laughs> team on Monday night next week, and I absolutely cannot look away. So. Uh-huh. It's, but I, I admire your um, sacrifice in not watching your boys right now. Well, I would be doing the same thing. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's just it's just like uh, I was telling you before we started recording. It's like when you're a kid and you have HBO and you accidentally click on a real time or real sex on HBO and you're like, oh, whoops. Yeah. And then you kind of want to keep peek back, peek back. But, uh, you know, you, you just you got to look away. So yeah, uh, or, or get get on Cinemax at like. 11 p.m. You're like, yeah. whoa, what's this? <laughs> yeah, you got the volume on mute. You, you want you're checking in and flipping back and forth. You don't want to get caught. Yeah. Um, okay, Andrew, what did we learn last week? Um, good God, so many coaching meltdowns. Like I cannot describe to you what was going on in the pl- uh, not only from play calling but just like game management perspective. I think. Look, I've been thinking a lot more recently because. The big topic this week, obviously, is going to be the whole analytics thing. I mean, when is it? But like, especially this past week, it really became a big topic of conversation. I think it's just going to be really hard to get this like really nice medium between analytics and coaching situational awareness that, look, these two things are going to have to be married at some point. Like analytics are here to stay. They're not going to go anywhere. They're not leaving. But you also have to have some sort of balance with that and versus, you know, situational awareness. And I just, it, it was baffling to see how mangled it was from both sides of the, of the arc and to see how in some ways maybe, you know, analytics can be used as an excuse for doing certain things. Whereas in the past you couldn't, it was just, oh, the coach is just making a dumb decision. Now it's sort of p- pinning it on, oh, well, the analytics staff says we should do this. So we're going to go ahead and do it. I, I think that's, that's where that's where it sort of becomes a slippery slope of like, okay, well, who's really to blame here in this case? Like, is it the person that calls it or the person that gives them all the information to call it, you know? So that's, that's, that's really my biggest takeaway is just how, how mismanaged it was in so many of these games last week. Yeah. I think you have a really good point there. I think for me, what I learned is just, it might just be contained to this season, but the overall quality of just coaching and playing and players, performance this season so far is really down from past seasons we have lower scoring right now than in seasons past we have a lot of poor qb play i don't know if you saw this press conference uh with the bucks they'd ask uh brady what he thought about the the play of the season so far and he thought it was really really bad um which is you know i think he I think we would agree he's definitely one of the best players, if not the best NFL player of all time, at least the most accomplished. You know, for him to say something like that is is pretty substantial. Um, a lot of bad refereeing, too, which we'll get into that later. You know, someone rears their ugly head yet again. But uh, I kind of want to go to this place you're talking about with analytics. I, I just see a lot of younger coaches, whether it's their first year or first couple years in their head coaching career, under 50 years old generally, in age, I feel like a lot of them are just taking the analytics and just calling games in black and white. Like almost like a lot of them are offensive coordinators too. Yeah. They're just calling plays. They're not really managing the game or really 
I don't really think they understand what they're even seeing at times. And we'll get into the the awards a little bit, but I find it very uh, troublesome for the future of the sport. Uh, look, a- analytics is certainly not bad or even good. It's a tool. It's information, right? It's just what you do with it. I feel like what's really missing this season, and, and there's still some coaches doing it, and we're going to award them here shortly, but there are a lack of coaches that when they see the game, they might be like, you know what? We're having trouble scoring touchdowns today. Or this defense, they're just they're really tough. We're just not going to get through. Let's just take the three points and move on, right? Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of the coaches are just playing you know, like a robot, just calling plays, and, well, it's over 50%. We're going to make it on fourth down. Let's just do it. We haven't converted. You know, you know we've converted two third downs today, right, out of, you know, 10 so far. Why are we going for it on fourth down in the third quarter, right? I know we may be down right now, but we're in field goal range. I, I just – I feel like there's just – we're not using the human element with the analytics, right? The analytics is supposed to be the information to help us make decisions – but what we're actually seeing out there, you know, the vibe you're feeling from your players, a lot of the coaches just don't either incorporate it or know how to. So I think it's a, it's troublesome. But uh, we'll see how we go from the rest of the season. Why don't we uh, Why don't we move into the awards then? Speaking of uh, what we learned last week, let's start with the Joe Harris Award, Andrew. Taysom Hill. So Taysom had one <laughs> passing touchdown. <laughs> Three rushing touchdowns, 112 yards rushing on the ground with a with a 60 yard run, mind you. 69 return yards. Hill is just the third NFL player since 1970, Andrew, to rush for 100 yards, three touchdowns wow. while passing for a touchdown, according to ESPN stats and information. The others, believe it or not, Ladanian Tomlinson in 2005 and Ronnie Brown in 2008. Uh, Hill has also become the first Saint since Archie Manning in 1977 to rush for three touchdowns and pass for one touchdown in a game. Crazy. Well, I'd like – it's absolutely insane, yeah. I I want to say thank you to Taysom Hill for being a cheat code because I used him as a tight end this week. <laughs> and, man, that saved my bacon. He was incredible. <laughs> uh, look, the, the, the pass – or excuse me, the rushing defense for Seattle is not good. And I no. felt that in that matchup it was going to work out. But for them to just get absolutely just trucked by this guy is really a sight to behold. I mean, he's he's been a weapon for a, t- a time being. The one thing I'll always hold against Sean Payton is that he never used him in that Minnesota Vikings uh, playoff game, that one at home. Like, they didn't use him, kept right, using him yeah, down the stretch. I because remember. they couldn't stop him. Yep. They couldn't tackle him. Like, he was running over the safeties, the linebackers, like everybody from Minnesota. And then at the end, they said, well, we're going to put it in the hands of, of Drew Brees, who at that point we knew was starting to kind of break down. Yeah. And it was just kind of unfortunate. But, yeah, Taysom Hill, it's really incredible to see him still do this, uh, you know, and still being so versatile. I mean, he's a Swiss Army knife, but he's so – he's like a jacked, superimposed – Swiss Army knife because he just does this in such a brutal fashion. Yeah, and how he runs is so violent. Like he feels like he feels like just like an old school football player with the way with the authority of which he runs with the football. It's it's absolutely outstanding. He he's an incredible Swiss Army knife type of player, like you said, and it still feels like we don't even know how to fully use him properly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, I would love to see him. 
I would love to see him with another coach, maybe Andy Reid or Belichick or somebody else like that. I think particularly Andy Reid, just to see if someone could actually take whatever skills he has to his full potential. Uh, why don't you give us the honorable mention, Andrew? Uh, my other honorable mention for this week, as far as the Joe Harris Award, would probably go to Donovan Peoples-Jones. He is the receiver for the Cleveland Browns. Now, I know Amari Cooper is their number one, but Donovan Peoples-Jones was pretty effective this week. Uh, he had seven targets, four catches at 50 yards, but he was just very athletic, very out there. He, I've really liked him a lot. He's, I know he's like kind of their second receiver, maybe even their third, but I've really liked his athleticism. I want to give him a shout-out because he made some really big catches against um, my boys yesterday, and I've always liked his game. I think he's kind of an underrated receiver for the, the Cleveland Browns. Nice. Okay. Let's go to the Mike Lennon Award, and this one was a little challenging this week, but then uh, when I was checking out on the – the Dolphins game, Andrew, Raheem Mostert, 100-plus yards and a touchdown. Whoa, <laughs> that's where this guy went, I guess. I honestly wasn't even sure where he was in the league, but, hey, there you go. Raheem Mostert still doing things. Uh, any Anything to add or any other uh, mentions? Well, I just feel bad that he got hurt so much. You know, he was yeah. really – he was supposed to be the guy in San Francisco and injuries just killed him, and it's really a shame because he's – always been really talented. Like you saw that at the end of the 2019 season when he just got on a tear for the San right. Francisco 49ers and he just could never stay healthy. And it's really a shame because I've always liked him. But yeah, I wasn't sure if he was still in the league myself. I was like, where did he go? And by lo and behold, he's in the same running system that he, <laughs> Daniels had with Shanahan. So, yep. I mean, that that just just trace that line straight through. Yeah, there you go. All right. I'm, I'm going to enjoy uh, listening to you about this one here. Bold strategy cotton award, uh, Brian Dable and the Giants. Oh man, Dable just slapped his big old keister on the <laughs> on the on the table and said, "Let's go." I I love what he did. Like his him and Mike Kafka, who's offensive coordinator, were just masterful in this game against the Green Bay Packers in the second half. Did not punt once in the second half, and you had a banged up Daniel Jones who it was bleeding all over the place. You have all these different guys on offense who are hurt. You don't have Kadarius Tony. You don't have, you know, Kenny holiday, which is really not a factor anyways. But point being is you have all these injuries, right? Saquon Barkley left for a little bit. He came back into the game, had a huge contribution down the stretch. I mean, their offensive game planning was just so good. And honestly, they coached circles around the green Bay Packers, the second half, like they completely decimated them on offense. And then even on defense, they did an outstanding job rallying and getting, withstanding any sort of resistance from Rodgers and the offense down the stretch. So I, I have to give tip my hat to the giants. They, they just play freaking hard every week, man. Like Dable has these guys prepared every single week and they're always in these games, no matter what they were down 10 zip. And I feel like over the past six years, whenever that would happen, to the giants it's over, it's already over and yeah. they fought back. And, and yeah, like you said, they, they do play hard. But it's gone beyond that now after five games. They play smart, and they mm -hmm. leverage every fucking piece of leverage that they can. They are very limited on the roster. And even if by some miracle they make a wild card, and they could in this conference, the NFC is pretty wide open, I'd say. Even yeah. the AFC, even if they sneak in into the wild card, you know, they're very limited talent-wise. But, but, man, you're going to get everything that they can do and. I know Daniel Jones is certainly not their future, but they're making the best use of him as they can 
a lot of easy throws and a lot of rushing, you know, design runs for, for Jones to use his athleticism. And they're getting everything out of Barkley. I mean, uh, clearly oh, he's he's, he's going to yeah. be the comeback player of the year. It's not even close. Oh, know? yeah, absolutely. But, but absolutely. they're getting he's, every ounce of his his greatness out of him. They really are. He's he's looked outstanding. And if you told me before the season started, if you said to me, like, hey, this team's going to win eight games, I'd be like, that's an outstanding accomplishment. And they're yeah. already halfway there. Like, that's this has been really – it's been remarkable to see them play – just like you said, with the resilience, like you're right. If they're down double digits at any point in the last five years, they're screwed. Like they yeah. have no, they have no spirit in them to come back at that point. But they've been just lights out every game from a game planning standpoint. It, it feels like they're learning how to win, and mm-hmm. so when next season with maybe they have uh, an upgrade at quarterback, they add some more talent to the roster. Man, uh, you know, it's very exciting to see what happens with that squad. Um, let's go to the opposite direction, though, and go to the Cowboy Joe West Award, Andrew, and I'll go ahead and take this one. <laughs> our, 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 our boy, Boger, and Boger's Revenge, uh, let me set this up for you. So last week, we gave Jerome Boger and his crew, the, the Boogies, is like what I like to call them now, uh, an award for, for Cowboy Joe West. But, uh, man, they just wanted to go back-to-back, man. Falcons and Bucks game uh, at the very end, okay, Falcons have backdoor covered already at this point, and they are about to basically get the ball back and have a chance to win this game. For some reason, for some reason, and we've gone over this several times this year, Andrew, roughing the passer or uh, unnecessary roughness calls that aren't even that. So Grady Jarrett hits, hits, uh, hits uh, Brady, tackles him, and Brady later actually tries to seemingly kick Grady Jarrett. Boger throws a flag, roughing the passer, and basically rescues the Bucks' drive just like in that Saints game. And the Bucks hang on and win this ball game. And and again, I feel like, okay, sure, the Falcons got in the hole and they had to come all the way back. Don't put it in the ref's hands, sure. But not when the ref clearly just fucks up and, and basically decided the game, Andrew. I, again, this kind of goes back to, I feel like this season, it, it's it's kind of uh, the quality is really lacking and, and the refs really contributed to that. It was just fucking stupid. Just terrible. You know that Weird Al song, um, I'll Sue Ya? <laughs> I, I, always, I always think about the line, I'll sue ya, I'll take all your money, I'll sue ya if you even look at me funny. I feel that way about Brady where it's like if you even look at him the wrong direction, he, you're going to get a flag. Yeah. It's like, it's absolutely untenable. He's it got is, the Jordan treatment on PCP. Oh God. It's on steroids, man. Yeah. This is, it, this is absolutely inexcusable. And I like, this is an all time low for this kind of call. And I've seen him get the call before. Not like this, man. Like nope. literally Jared is doing his job. That's, that's yep. like textbook tackle arms around the waist, takes him to the ground. No harm, no foul, nothing. He doesn't throw him. He doesn't toss him like a rag doll. He doesn't suplex him. He doesn't knock him out over the shoulder. And yet, here we are. Like, this is absolutely unbelievable that he would get this call. Not unbelievable, I guess, because it's Brady, but like this, it's just, it's infuriating. And I I think it's absolutely worthless that he gets this kind of call. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I hate that it's Brady because I know for years you've been telling me that he gets treated differently by the refs, and this certainly doesn't help my case. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> in defense of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, overall, big picture, it just it ruins the quality of football. That you know, the Bucks have gotten bailed out on two games by the refs in key key calls that really have turned the game. It's it, it's just very frustrating. Uh this one, I don't know how to really tackle it, Andrew, because I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but let's just do it anyway. The Anthony Lynn Express, and and look, tickets were sold out on the Express plane this year. Or oh, I couldn't, I, I couldn't even get out, to, okay? <laughs> I couldn't get into the queue, man. It was yeah, impossible. Man. There, you know, there, <laughs> standby was full, and there was nobody giving up <laughs> seats, okay? But uh, you know who got first class this week was Zach Taylor uh, from the Bengals. Oh, yeah. Um, Again, just take the points. Just take the points. You haven't been converting. Uh, just take the points, especially at this point of the game. I, I just, if they take the points, Andrew, in the fourth quarter, they win the game. They win the game. I, I, it just, it feels like that, that, that meme of like people saying the one about like, hey, can I copy your homework? Yeah, but just make sure it doesn't look the same as mine. And he did try because he tried running what the Philly special, and then he tried doing a shovel pass on that fourth yeah. and goal, and it's like Ugh. none of those things were gonna work. <laughs> like it was way too cute for my for my liking. Like the, the whole sequence down on that end on the end zone and the was just horrendous I, and deplorable in that he decided that that was the play call he was gonna go with on that fourth and goal. Like and yeah, it, yeah you're right. It's like neither offense was doing anything. Like no one was making any explosive plays. No one was really no. pushing the ball down the field. Everyone was kind of off. Even Lamar was off passing wise last night. Like you, you th- if you're in a the, shootout, the Ravens didn't have a play more than 40 yards long. Yeah. As far as any explosive plays, they had one of, I think 37. Yeah. And they missed on another one. Like Lamar yeah. missed on that touchdown throw and right. that, but other than that, yeah. Like, the defense, both defenses were holding Pat. So this is not a game that you have to go chasing points. Honestly, this right. is not, not the case. So yeah, I, I hear you from what you were saying earlier. Like Zach Taylor definitely fits the category of you're, you're going by the analytics sheet. You're not actually watching what the hell's going on in the game. You're literally staring at your play sheet and just waiting to call the next play because that's systematically what you've already set up. Right. And it's very devoid of anything that's actually going on in front of you. It, it's, kind of it's, yeah. it's aggravating yeah it, it's super aggravating and, and give john harbaugh credit he understood that his team was struggling and he took the points and he realized i have justin tucker i have the best kicker in the world yeah. let me just get these three points and let me get the fuck out of here oh it's it's a tale as old as time like i tar- i like they're driving down the field and i turn to my mom like so they're gonna go down the field and tucker's gonna kick the game winning field goal like yeah. i said as a matter of fact like that's just what's gonna happen end of story yeah, but at least he understood. Look, I just need to take the points. The other guy's gonna fuck it up. Yeah, and he understood that at least. So say what you will about last week, he he certainly deserved our criticism. But this week, he deserves the praise for playing the game correctly, and he made the right decision. His decision making is what won the game, you know. And it was yeah. the Bengals' poor decision making that lost them the game. Yeah, so. and. and- and also consider this. This is critical because this is get gets you in the first place of the AFC North. Like that was what's on the line here too. Absolutely, you know, this is- absolutely. That game might mean a lot at the end of the year that they blew mm-hmm. that one. It might mean a whole lot. Uh, speaking of bad coaching, uh, I, I almost feel like the Jeff Fisher Football Guy Award is like a runner-up award to the Anthony Lynn Express. Uh, our our guy Dan Campbell, Andrew. 
I, did he leave the Detroit airport? I, I, I want to check his <laughs> ticket and see if it actually got punched. If, if he actually has like the ticket scanned on the, you know, on the thing when he uh-huh. leaves for the air and he actually boards the plane, I want to make sure that it actually got scanned. Can we like check the database on the Detroit international airport? Cause good <laughs> Lord, I, man, I didn't expect golf to play well outside either. No. And we all know about golf. We all know, we all know about golf in, in, Outside, outside of a dome in cold weather, yada yada. We know all about that. But a goose egg, mm-hmm. like that's that's something else. And also, you make Bailey Zappi look pretty good, and doing so as well. I mean, he wasn't spectacular by any way, way shape, or form, but he looked pretty pretty darn good considering the situation he's in. Uh, he played okay. Just, they they just ran okay. it down their throats. True. Ramondre Stevenson was also just outstanding. Yeah. Ah, uh, God, I, man, this is just depressing. Like, it's just depressing. <laughs> you're, you're, you're completely, just completely curb stopped by a coach that is so clearly outmatching you that it's not even close. I, I wanted to see something a little bit more. This was just not it, man. This ain't it, Dan. Look, they, they, without this, you know, outstanding this game, they, they have something on offense, but they're the worst on defense. So oh, it doesn't matter far. how good your def or your offense is if you can't stop anybody. So, yeah, not not great, not great. It's time to probably start betting against the Lions. And speaking of betting, Andrew, NFL Week Six Lions, Lions by BetNow.eu. We got the Lions, Texans, Raiders, and uh, sorry, Lions, Texans, Raiders, and Texans. I keep fucking that up. Lions, Titans, Raiders, and Texans on by. Uh, let's start with our favorite Chris Berman primetime block. We got quite a few good games, Andrew, in the in the primetime block. Sunday, Ravens at Giants. Ravens four and a half over under forty four. What do you got? Super spicy. Oh yeah. I mean, wait, like hot caliente. This is. I I can't believe this is as spicy as it is. Look, man, that four and a half by the Ravens. It's a little too sweet for me. I, I think this Giants team, a little high, a little high. Yeah, a yeah. little, little too high high for its britches. Uh, <laughs> but it's something that I, I consider to be a bit high only because the Giants have done such an excellent job of being in every game this season. And I think they could be in this game too. Like I think their game planning, mm-hmm. we've talked about it already at the top of the show. They were fantastic against the Packers. Dable and company have been really good in strategizing. Are the Giants still probably going to be a little beat up on offense? Yes, absolutely. I think that's something they have to consider. But I do think that they're going to find a way to just kind of muddy this game up, keep it gross, and keep the Ravens from completely running away with it. I think the Giants cover. Uh, The points, I think I'm going to say over probably because I do think the Ravens are going to be able to score a little bit, and I think their offense is going to be a little more crisp. They were off against the Bengals. They really were. And I think they're going to do a better job this game Mm. in New York. Uh, on the road. I think Lamar likes to play on the road sometimes. Like he's had some great games on the road. So I, I'm going to go ahead and take the over on this. Yeah, I like the over and the Giants cover as well. Like you said, that line is just a little too sweet. Uh, try to buy it now wherever you shop. If you can get it at four and a half or more, even at five, if you can find that before it goes down. Um, look, this is spicy for other reasons too. So Martindale is the, is the Giants defensive coordinator and he was with the Ravens for years so he knows them they know him so there's definitely going to be definitely a chess match 
between uh, the offense and the defense there, which is going to be very interesting. I just feel like this Ravens defense has struggled in the past. And uh, this Giants team, they've covered all but one game, Andrew. The only game they didn't cover was against the Cowboys when the Cowboys beat them. Otherwise, they have covered every game. So uh, they're with our Frisky Falcons, and I'll take the Giants uh, to cover. Yeah. Also, that's a good point you bring up about Martindale being on the Giants side now. This is a really big matchup for him. I mean, he's seen Lamar Jackson in practice every single day, Mm -hmm. and I I like that. Only thing is (laughs) you can't really game plan against Lamar Jackson. You can't really scout team that. Like, that's tough. You don't know until right. you actually get in the game. And I think Lamar is just one of those athletes that it's really hard to anticipate that or really simulate it. Mm-hmm. You might try to limit him in the passing game, but I think Lamar has gotten better as a passer. So, yep. you know, that's that's kind of a tough thing that Martindale may still struggle with in this game. Oh, absolutely. But he'll know how to how to deal with some of the other personnel and, and the groupings mm-hmm. they like to play and, and all that. So it'll be a cat and mouse because they know him, too. Yeah, and uh, that's true. it'll be a, it'll be very fun to watch that. But uh, speaking of frisky teams, our Falcons, Andrew, five and zero against the spread so far this year. But uh, that might end coming on Sunday. 49ers wow. at Falcons, 49ers, five and a half over under 43 and a half. I'm just going to go ahead and and give you my uh, my take here, Andrew. Give me the 49ers in the over the way things are trending. I like this 49ers team to make another deep run yet again. Just the way I'm seeing things. If things keep going the way that they're going you know of course injuries are part of it but things are keep going the way that they have this 49ers team man i don't think a lot of people are going to want to see them late in the year i i just think the ats uh you know falcons covers and at least for now against this 49er team but uh hey look we've been riding the falcons it's been a pretty fun ride yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you because I think this 49ers defense has just been outstanding. Like, it doesn't matter who they put in there, even if Nick Bosa's not in there. Who He left the game with a groin injury yesterday. So I think even – but even with that, they just – D'Amico Ryans has had this unit playing so well. I really believe that the 49ers are just going to find a way to create all kinds of turnovers from the Falcons. I hate to say it, but I think my boy Mariota is going to be in trouble come Sunday. So I think that's, yep. that's going to be a big factor. As long as the 49ers don't – you know, play dumb. As long as Jimmy G just keeps control of the ball and just doesn't turn it over, they're going to be fine. So yep. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the 49ers to cover here and the over as well. Uh, this is, this, this is just a really, this is a really interesting matchup, at least from an offensive standpoint. Like I love the idea of Shanahan versus Arthur Smith. It's oh, yeah. really cool. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's, it's really intriguing. I, I like it a lot and the Falcons mm-hmm. are frisky, but I think this 49er team is just too good. Uh, back-to-back, I will say, back-to-back weeks of them having to travel to the East Coast. That is a little brutal for them. Go go to Carolina, come back, and then go back to Atlanta. That is a lot of traveling. I will say that. Yeah, that is a good point. That is a good point. Uh, this next one, Andrew, is also spicy. Bills at Chiefs. Bills, two points before the Monday night game started. Over under 53 and a half. What do you got? Look, regardless of the results of tonight, I, I still, I'm taking this Bills team to cover. I, I really, really like them, and I love their offense. And I think they're starting to get back into it. I don't even think they played a perfect game against Pittsburgh by any stretch of the imagination, and they still crushed them. Uh, they still just ran circles around the Steelers. And I know maybe the Steelers are probably a bottom five team, which we'll get to later. But I just I really like where this Bills team's at right now. Obviously, this is a matchup that everyone wants to see. I'm definitely taking the over. Like, there's just going to be points galore in this game. But I do think the Bills cover 
and I like them to take this game in Arrowhead again from the regular season matchup they had last year. I see. Okay. Very, very good. Uh, I like the Chiefs here, and uh, I just think, uh, look, the Bills certainly trounced the Steelers. I, I, I was surprised they I was surprised by how by how much. Uh, I just thought 14 points was a lot, but uh, it ended up not being a lot. <laughs> uh, but I I feel like the Chiefs have had a much tougher schedule so far, and I'm kind of surprised the Bills. I don't know. I was a little surprised that they're even favored. I thought this might be a pick 'em. So I like the Chiefs here. I just think uh, it's a little more even than that, and I like the over for sure. I, I both teams will score. I think. At minimum twenty five each, if not more. So uh, yeah, give, give me the Chiefs and over. Fair enough. All right, Sunday night Cowboys at Eagles. This is this one. I'm actually I can't believe I'm excited for an NFC East game. God damn it, <laughs> Eagles <Right>? by five <laughs> over under forty two. What do you got? Okay, so I'm gonna make a controversial statement here. This is contingent on which quarterback starts in this game. And uh, you probably not think you, you probably don't know which one I'm actually talking about. If Cooper Rush starts in this game, I'm taking the Cowboys to cover. If Dak Prescott starts in this game, I'm taking the Eagles to cover. Now you might be saying, "Whoa, hold on, pain a statement." Why? I want to believe that the Cowboys have figured out what they're doing on offense, and that they're not trying to force Dak Prescott to throw 50 times a game, but. I'm not confident that they can do that yet. And I feel like they're going to try and force the issue once he comes back into the lineup. I'd much rather go with the same thing that they've been doing with rush where they have perfect play balance as far as like rush and pass, as far as like playing defense, as far as keeping the game close. So if Cooper rush is out there, I'm totally fine with taking the Cowboys to cover because they've been just a really, really solid team since he got back in the lineup and they changed their whole game plan. I'm just worried that if Dak gets in there, they're going to try and ho-chuck it again. I really don't want them to do that. So that's kind of it's kind of contingent on that. But if you had to force my hand, I would still say Cowboys cover and give me the over. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. Uh, look, I expect to see Cooper rush again, and you know, it almost feels like uh, it almost feels like uh, Mike McCarthy's the third shift supervisor at the uh, Amazon warehouse, just managing the shit out of it. <laughs> I mean, just keep it, keep it the same. You know, I don't expect the Cowboys to win, but I expect that, you know, to cover. Uh, and look, I, I think this is a, this is actually a dicey game for Philly because they're a first half team. And we've been saying this, you know, there was a couple games in a row. They didn't score in the second half and, you know, they have scored in the second, in the second half again, you know, or they have since we, we made that statement, but they're a first half team. You know, they let the Cardinals back in that game and the Cardinals are not a good team, Andrew. They are not a good team at all. No. Uh, I, again, just like I said last week, I'm going to be a coward and, and just only pick the Cowboys to cover here, but I like the Cowboys to cover. And I think five points is a lot. It's, it's a lot for, for the Eagles. This should, this should be three. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and give me the over for sure. 42 feels very low. I, I feel yeah. comfortable with the Cowboys scoring at least 20 by themselves. I know the Eagles are capable of a lot as well. Yeah. So uh, total agreement there. One, uh, one other short note, and I'm sure you'll like this one. 
Uh, Jalen Hurts has looked a little mortal the last two weeks. I'll say that too. Yep. He's he, he's run the ball well, but he's not been getting those passes out as well as he had been at the beginning of the season. I no. think I I think he's looked a little bit not shaky, but not as crisp as he had been. So I think I I would say keep that in mind as well. I think the defense are figuring out what to do to him in the passing game, and obviously his natural gift is as a as a runner, and that's going to always be difficult to defend, but. If there's a team that can do it, it's going to be this Cowboys defense. And I think they're buttered up just right to make this very difficult for for Hurts. This will be his most difficult game so far. No bones about it. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the uh, B-Dubs Express, the watchables. We only got one in this category this week, Andrew. Sunday, Pats at Browns. Browns by three over under 42 and a half. I'm going to go ahead and take it here. I think uh, Belichick's revenge comes in hard and strong here i think this pats team is starting to roll a bit i like the pats to cover and i like the over yeah i mean the i'm browns counting on jacoby Brissett to throw a pick at the fourth quarter that's my he has too. well uh, have you seen the stat like yep. he he in the first like 57 minutes of the game he doesn't throw a pick in the last three minutes he throws he's throwing three of them yep. like it, it, and he you did it yesterday it. it was just Absolutely backbreaking. Mm-hmm. You can count and this on Browns, it. Yeah, it, it's it's this Browns team's talented, but they just the right. end of game management situations have been atrocious. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was hilarious yesterday. You know, my team already trying to blow it, and the <laughs> Browns just blew it even harder. They said, "No, no, we we can do one better. Hold on, you know, no, we want to lose the game." <laughs> no, they're like, no, 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 no. That's our job, especially at home. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I take the Pats cover here in the over. I mean, this is this is a Bill Belichick like primetime opportunity for him to just kind of smack around some people and just basically do what he wants. I think this is going to be yeah. a good win for the Patriots, depending on no matter if Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi's playing. Yeah, I don't think it matters. I think it's going to be a smash mouth football game, which is kind of exciting as a, you know, for us. Uh, for us guys that grew up in the early 2000s. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Uh, I'm not super excited for these, Andrew. Phil Simmons, Bland Bananas, barely watchable. Sunday Jags at Colts. Colts by two over under 42 and a half. I'll take this one again. Andrew, this last two weeks of the Jags have been so disappointing, and Lawrence played like shit. But like I've said a couple weeks ago, I can't. I have to bet against whatever AFC South team is favored. And then in that case, it's the Colts. I'll take the Jags to cover in the over here. Last time these two played, uh, the Jags look like world beaters. So I'll go ahead and take my Jags. I'm very tempted to take the under in this game, but I'll take the over as well just because it's low enough. But, man, yeah, it's unfortunate. I don't. I have no idea what happened to Jacksonville yesterday. I have to go back and watch the tape because it was just really depressing to see them put up six points at home against Houston Man, of all struggled. of all teams. Yeah. Of all teams. Yeah. That like that I'll tell you what. We have this every week, but I especially have this. I watch NFL Red Zone and there's always a game that I go, "Wait, I didn't see that game like at all on NFL Red Zone." <laughs> and it always and that tells me two things. <laughs> Either there were a lot of long plays and not a lot of like long drives or nobody was scoring. And that was the case with that game. I barely saw it on Sunday and that was not a good sign for either team, but man, it was such a struggle bus for the Jags. I don't know. Hopefully they get their offense back together. Yeah. But man, yeah, just, just really kind of demoralizing, honestly. It's a, it's a disappointment. And I, I want to see 
I just want to I, I expect better from this Jags team. So I hope they get right this game against yeah. the Colts. Sunday Chiefs. Oh, sorry. Sunday Cardinals at Seahawks. Cardinals by three, Andrew, over under 51 and a half. What do you got? Well, look, I I don't like this Cardinals team, as you alluded to earlier. I don't like them. You don't like them. I don't know if their kicker's gonna be healthy, which was a huge issue yesterday. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> that that oh, be, yeah. that came back to bite them pretty hard. But even if they did, I don't know if they still make that field. I don't know if Prater makes it in that situation. Who knows? But look, the Seahawks team, their defense is not good, but Geno Smith is balling out like he is having the time of his life and i really like they are frisky gino's just playing good like which is crazy to say in a lot of ways but he yeah. is playing very, very well i have to give him credit and i i can't believe i'm saying this i kind of give seattle credit for moving on from russell wilson it's absolutely insane to say that it almost seems insane still even yep. as much as wilson's struggling but it's working and gino's been playing really well i i like them at home the Rashad Penny injury sucks. He might be out for the year. It's unfortunate, and it kind of limits them a little bit on the run game, but I still like them a lot in this game as far as getting that home crown behind them and actually having some momentum. So, yeah, I'm taking the, I'm definitely taking the Seahawks to uh, cover here, and you know what? I'm actually going to say under. I think the Cardinals are going to struggle to score. Mm, right. I see what you're saying. I, I'm going to go ahead. I like the Seahawks like you do. I can't. I can't. I cannot in good in good consciousness and in good faith tell our three listeners to put money on the Cardinals. I can't do it. Now, what I can yeah. tell you to put money on for sure is the over, and here's why. The Seahawks have only been in one game where they've where the total score has been below 43-and-a-half so, so far this year. I, I, I see a lot of points being scored here, and I think this is a big-time, big-time over. Um, a lot of points will be scored here. So I say go for it. Monday night, another barn burner. Broncos at Chargers. Chargers by five, Andrew, over under 45 and a half. What do you got? Oh, man, I really don't want to pick this game. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm I'm terrified of this game because somebody somewhere is going to mess it up. I, look, oh, yeah, I don't think I the Broncos offense is so putrid and so broken right now and they can't do anything right. This Chargers team on paper is better than them, at least as far as getting the running game going. The running game looked great yesterday against Cleveland. Like Austin Eckler is back in full force and they're finally using Joshua Kelly as their second running back. Finally, instead of Sony Michelle, I love to see that they actually have some versatility. The offensive lines looked pretty good actually overall. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the chargers to win here. I don't take them to cover. Because I think there's going to be some batshit crazy stuff that happens in this game. And I think Broncos are going to find a way to sneak in the, the backdoor cover. And I do think the under, though, because this Broncos team can't score. I think the Chargers will do enough to pull it out. But I, I feel like I feel like both sides are going to be tearing their hair out during this game. I just I have a feeling. You, you might be right. And yet, uh, you know, and yet, uh, as our good friend Ryan says, you know, every day we turn away from God. We stray further from, from God. <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and take the Chargers to cover in the under here. Look, I, again, in good consciousness, I can't tell people to bet on the Broncos. I just can't. They they yeah. punted nearly on every possession last time we saw them. They couldn't score a touchdown. You know, 
they're the team that should not send out their field goal kicker, right? <laughs> like, that's the one team no. that shouldn't be doing that. And they'll do it. So, look, and look, the Chargers have problems. We we agree on that. But, look, they have Justin Herbert. Guy's a stud. Uh, the running game is coming along. We saw that in that in that Browns game. I think they should continue doing some of the same that they, that they did in that Browns game. And I think they would have success against the Broncos because I just think that's a broken team right now. And uh, I think getting real physical with them with the running game, I think, is a, is a key to, to success. So give me the Chargers and the under. Yeah. Bridge to nowhere, Andrew. Bucks at Steelers. Bucks eight over under 43 and a half. Let me go ahead and take this one. I'm ready to get hurt again, Andrew. I'll go ahead and take the Steelers to cover the over. I just, again, too many points. And we learned that with Atlanta last week. It was too many points. The Bucs should not be favored. They have a lot of problems. I don't know if they're going to keep getting bailed out. I don't think they will in Pittsburgh. Uh, You know, Pittsburgh gets to play at home. Look, I I know they got embarrassed by this Bills team, but it's the Bills. I, I I just I can't I, I again eight is a lot for this Bucks team. I'll go ahead and take the Steelers to cover in the over. Okay, so I'm gonna actually stop you there. Not so fast, my friend. I'm gonna say this. Look, I've seen Tom Brady get bailed out at not Heinz Field, whatever they call it now. I actually forget the name of the stadium, but <laughs> at at the at the at the, at the, uh, the Pittsburgh Stadium. Do you remember that play where Jesse James, they're they're like, oh yeah, end, that's got, right, got screwed on the on the goal line. I've yeah. seen it happen, so I'm actually going to disagree with you there. I think they are going to get hosed by a call. But here's the thing, I I kind of do agree with you. Look, the Steelers team just got thrown into the wood chipper last week against the Bills. They got blasted off the island. But I I agree with you in that this Bucks team just can't score. Like they're just having problems on offense and it doesn't matter if they're trying to run the ball, pass it, whatever. Like they're just struggling. And this is just kind of an ugly game that the Steelers are going to, again, just going to try and muddy up. I, I still take the Steelers to cover too. I don't like it. I don't, I don't feel good about it, No, of but I also not. don't feel good, but I also don't feel good about betting on the Bucks either. And I'm actually going to take the under. I think this is going to be just a really gross game. I, I don't see a lot of points in this game. All right. Sunday Bengals at Saints Bengals by one and a half over under 43 and a half. What do you got? All right. So uh, redemption time for Zach Taylor. I don't know, but look, the Saints team, I think the Saints team is okay. They're not great, but I like how they played in most of their games. It just the whole, the whole quandary was Jameis Winston, right? Like that was really kind of the biggest thing. And if he's not in there, Maybe they have more of a shot to win. I I still I still take the Bengals to cover here, and I think that they're going to do okay on offense. I think they'll they'll do enough down in the Bayou. I think Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow especially will feel really good playing in New Orleans. Obviously, they're very comfortable with that. I think they're going to have a great day against the Saints team. I don't know if the Taysom Hill thing can happen again. It'd be freaking awesome if it did. But I think I I respect this Bengals defense more, and I think they can actually do more damage to the Saints. So I'm actually going to take the Bengals to cover here, and I'm going to take the over. Okay, okay, I got you there. I I I like I like the Saints here, and um, I like the over. I just think this Bengals team is poorly coached by the head coach. They just cannot get it going on offense. They just can't. And in the last two weeks here, the Saints, they're starting to cover after three first three weeks they weren't covering. 
They're starting to cover. They put together a nice win last week. Again, it kind of felt like it was almost kitchen sink-esque with, with Hill pulling out a historic performance. But, uh, you know, I, I Jameis is not in there, and that makes me feel a lot better, like you said. And Andy Dalton, he's fine. He's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Andy, Dal- Andy Dalton revenge game. <laughs> Andy Dalton revenge game <laughs> 10 years later? What? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, now the, the golden rifle. Not the red rifle. Uh, but, yeah, give me the Saints, the cover, and the over. All right. This this one, it's a bridge to nowhere, Andrew, but it's it's kind of spicy. Jets at Packers. Packers by seven, over under 46. What do you got? Yeah, so, man, this Packers team's got some problems. Like, they've got some real problems, especially on their run defense, which, look, there's one thing the Jets did really well last week, and that was run the ball. Like Michael Carter scored twice. Brees Hall looked really good. Brees Hall was a guy that I wanted to put up for the Joe Harris Award, too. I considered him because he just has looked really great. He was drafted out of Iowa State. I'm glad to see him playing so well. This Jets team, if they run the ball and they kind of keep the hand, keep Zach Wilson from ho-chucking it all over the place, I think they've got a shot. Now, I still expect this Packers team to win at home and kind of get their bearings because I just don't trust the Jets to go in there and win. But I think the Jets can cover here because I think that they're going to play well enough on offense, and I think defensively they'll do enough things because the Packers also just haven't figured it out offensively. I think they will later in the season once Aaron Rodgers stops being a prima donna and throws to his receivers that they drafted. But once he gets over that, until he gets over that, I should say, I'm going to take the Jets to cover and – Ah, man, I'm really struggling with that over under. I think it's going to go over, but not by much. I like the Jets here big. Uh, This Packers team can't cover lines, especially the ones this big. The only big one they they covered was the Chicago one in week two, and Chicago is one of the poorest teams in the league. So, okay, fine. They covered against Tampa. Tampa's incompetence at scoring week. We've talked about this at length. But they're they're still get they're still getting lines, Andrew. Like they're the Packers of the last couple of years, and they're just not. And I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit. I don't think it's gonna get better. I don't think so. I, for what reason do we think it's it's gonna get better? It hasn't even gotten remotely better. You could argue it's gotten worse. I just don't see how it's going to get better. It might stabilize, but. They they can't generate an offense that scores more than 27 points, and they score 27 points against a terrible Chicago team and against a Mac Jones team that, you know, Mac Jones likes to turn the ball over. They, they can't generate an offense. Uh, and this Jets team, say what you will, the last three weeks they've been able to do it, and Zach Wilson's not even playing good. So give me the Jets and the over here. Definitely. I really like this one yet again. It's like last week. Sunday, Vikings at Dolphins. Vikings by three over under 45 and a half. What do you got? Man, the Vikings team, again, this, they just they can't uh, stop from making it interesting, man. Like, I, I can't every, handle on this team. I can't, I can't handle it either, man. They're, they're, they, are, they are infuriating to watch, especially in second halves. And, I mean, yeah. I guess their fan base is used to it at this point, but, man, I can't stand it. They should have absolutely – obliterated Chicago yesterday and they let them back in that game and they were down. They were down in the fourth quarter. Like there was absolutely no reason. 
that be down at that point. Like Justin Jefferson was absolutely wrecking that secondary. And yet they just couldn't find a way to give him the ball much in the second half. And it just drove me nuts. But here's the deal. I think I have to go with the Vikings here anyways, because the Dolphins just have no offensive options. Like they're, they're in trouble and it sucks because I actually think they're really well coached. I would take them in this situation as far as like coaching matchup, but I just don't think they have the arsenal on offense. So I take the Vikings to cover here and the under also again, not going to be a primetime game. So if it was, I'd go the other <laughs> way, but, yeah. but that's not the case. Yeah. I, I'm in agreement. I'll take the Vikings in the under would not gamble on this. Let's wrap it up with Montezuma special, Andrew. Thursday, oh the Commodores God. at the Bears. Oh. Bears by one over under 30, 38, excuse me. I, I like the commandos here, man, uh, to cover this one-point spread, and uh, I like the over. Look, the, the Commodores, the commandos, the commies, whatever the fuck you want to call them, they, they do score points, you know? They do score points, so I like the over. This Bears team is fucking terrible. I you know, both teams are fucking terrible. It's, you know, it's like that family guy bit with uh, Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, I'm the I'm the more unattractive actor. No, I'm more unattractive. Kids, kids, <laughs> kids. You're both just terrible. But, you know, <laughs> the Bears are even more terrible. So give me the commanders. Uh, I've been sweating this out for like a week. Like on that Thursday night. <laughs> on that on that Thursday like that Thursday night, there I'm sitting there. Wait, are you serious? I'm sitting there watching. I'm watching that Colts and Broncos game, and in the middle of that game, they have the audacity to be like, "By the way, guess what's next week? Commodores Bears." And I'm just like, "Oh God!" If there ever was a game where it just said, "Hey, I'm the worst game of the year," and then another one says, "Hold my beer," this would be it. I'm so afraid of this game, man. I hate it. I, yeah, hey. I, 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 I <laughs> uh, God, I. I begrudgingly take the Commodores here. I think they have more skilled position <laughs> players, but man, sure. Yeah, give me the cover in the over, but Jesus Christ. Man, this this I, might be in the Hall of Fame of Montezuma specials. This is pretty bad. Like, what did Amazon do to deserve this? I mean, they just were like, let's just I, I like we've always complained about Thursday night matchups, but man, the recent slate has been absolutely brutal like it started and the problem is it started so high right it was like chiefs chargers first game you're like all right spicy yeah this is great and then it's just been like Shit complete fest. montezuma like just complete like montezuma's revenge oh since yeah then. like crack like it's i mean every volcano's just been going off every week oh man eh. 2 a.m taco bell uh <laughs> last one here sunday panthers at rams rams by 11 over under 40 40 and a half. What do you got? Well, um, we decided before this podcast to take Matt rule off of the Jeff Fisher football guy award, because uh, it's, it was a bit mean spirited to put him there considering that he obviously has been fired and relieved of his duties from the Carolina Panthers. So Panthers are already kind of playing shorthanded. It looks like, I think PJ Walker is going to be starting for this game for them. XFL legend PJ Walker. But um, look, okay, hear me out. I'm actually going to take the Panthers to cover here. Okay. And the crazy reasoning is because the Rams offense is so suspect right now. I can't trust it. Like it drives me nuts. Both of them, both these offenses I can't trust, but I, for some reason think that the Panthers are actually going to do the right thing. Like get the ball to Christian McCaffrey next week and hopefully DJ Moore. 
I don't know how, but they're going to find a way. Uh, like, I just, I don't know, man. This, the, I think the Panthers' defense is really good, too. So I, I still don't think the Rams are going to figure it out. So I'm actually going to take them to cover, even though, like, they've had all these things happen to them this week, and it's really it's really kind of backwards. And I'm also going to take the under. But, man, this, yeah, yeah this is going to be, I, I don't know if it's going to be a rough game to watch, but it's just going to be really weird. It, it's It's definitely a weird one. It's kind of fun because, like, it could go one of two. It's going to go one of two ways. One, the Rams cover, and they cover big, right? Like, yeah. Panthers going on the road. Their coach is fired. They're down in the dumps, all that stuff. And it could be a get-right game for the, for the Rams, right? On the other hand, their coach just got fired, and this is like, guys, we need a spark. And here comes P.J. Walker doing crazy things. You know, I could definitely see it as, like, you know, our coach just got fired. Let's let's get one, you know, let's get one here after this horrible incident for us. So I could see it going either way, but I'll take the Rams in the cover here. I just think it's kind of rough. Your coach gets fired on a Monday, and then you gotta you gotta go all the way to LA after a, a shitty loss. So I do agree with the under as well. Give me the under, but uh, I'll take the Rams here. Yeah, it's it's rough. You never know with these coaches midweek. And I almost say this is a stay away game as far as betting goes. Oh, of but, course. Yeah. But it's you never know. You know, you know, can I tell you a quick story before we wrap up here? Yeah. It's so uh, Matthew Barry, fantasy football analyst for NBC, who used to be on ESPN. I remember when, oh man, who was it? Was it Tony Sperano? I think he got fired or Joe Philbin. I can't remember who got fired, but. You remember Dan Campbell was like an interim coach oh, for them yeah. for a while. That was that was Back. Philbin in Miami. Yeah. Okay. So Campbell came in as a as like a interim head coach, and I remember the time I had Lamar Miller on my team, and Lamar was doing nothing because like they just could not run the ball, and I was really debating like either dropping him like altogether or maybe trying to pawn him off on somebody, and I still remember Matthew Barry. <laughs> It's almost like I was talking to him on my TV because he's just like, don't drop Lamar Miller. Dan Campbell loves to run the football. You got to keep him I'm like, OK, Matt, you better be right about this. And he ended up being right. He actually ran the ball a lot more. So I kind of feel that way with McCaffrey where I'm like, all right, let's see what happens here with with Christian McCaffrey. You know, let's see if they actually end up using him. So I don't know if they're going to like potentially actually unlock him or not, but we'll see. It's it. it but that again, my whole point here is still. This is kind of a stay away game. We have no idea what this Panthers team is going to look like the rest of the year. Yeah. Bad beat for, the, for, for Carolina fans. Andrew, before we get out of here, we got uh, a little something else starting tomorrow on Tuesday. Padres are playing the Dodgers in the <sighs> NLDS. How do you feel, buddy? Uh, I just love the fact that w- we sent New York packing. Like, <laughs> it's so satisfying to do that for everything. Like, I, I felt really just uplifted by that whole situation honestly it's been gravy i said going into that series i was like if they won the series that's fantastic like i i i not was not expecting that at all uh i think this is great for baseball it's great that you get this rivalry and finally there'll be fans at the games like last time this happened there were no fans we played that weird series in texas that didn't really count yeah like that was that was just a weird series the fact that you're going to actually have people in la and san diego for the series is fantastic um, look, I think the pitching's gotten a lot better, but you know, I, I, I can't help but feel like it's going up against the evil empire. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. going into the death star, we'll see, but it's, I I'm, I'm really excited for this. This is just really cool that we get this matchup. And I think honestly, 
I think it's what everyone wanted. Like Mets are cool story, whatever. I don't care. Like the NL West rivalry. I'll take that every day of the week. No, oh, yeah, it's going to be fucking exciting. And look, I, I know the Dodgers have had the Padres number, but that game one with you, Darvish, I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> here come the Padres. And then Musgrave, you know, I, that game from last night, man, it's one Padres I think are going to remember forever. Padre fans are going to remember forever. And uh, I think that's a good way to go into a series versus, you know, your rival. And uh, I feel like a lot of people outside of the San Diego and Southern California region probably don't think there's much of a rivalry there between the Padres and the Dodgers. You know, in the past, there certainly hasn't been, at least most of my life, but the past three years, absolutely. It's the most fiery, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, uh, uh, the rivalry has ever been because, you know, the Padres are actually a threat, you know? Uh, yeah. So it, it's going to be really exciting. I'm really looking forward to watching it tomorrow. And, uh, and good luck to you. And, uh, you know, just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't take too many Xanax. Well, I'll just say this before we go. Um, the, the Twitter account I follow called Baseball Fight Club basically saw this matchup tweeted out and said, this account is going to peak this week. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really rowdy. I can't, I'm just really excited. I'm more happy for people around here who are going to be able to go to a, a playoff game in San Diego finally. Oh, yeah, like, finally. Finally, after 16 years i be able to go to a game like that's really the most thing I'm ex- excited about. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be awesome, man. Yeah. Well, well thanks for uh, thanks for always doing the pod with me on Mondays. And uh, it's going to be a fun week six. And uh, we'll catch up next week. Yes, sir. Always good. Thanks, buddy.